Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, today, we had a momentous uh, announcement uh, from the club uh, with the signing of Canadian men's national team stalwart, I guess. I know he hasn't played for a little bit, but um, Daniil Henry. Uh, just wanted to touch base with Gary. I know we haven't uh, done an episode in a little while, but um, it just kind of been a few things going on. And yeah, we're I'm super excited to get Gary's thoughts on all of this. So Gary, how's it going, man? How are you? Fantastic. It's a wonderful day of football news for Halifax Wanderers. And like equally for me and all the other Arsenal fans listening, like in the space of a week, we've had Declan Rice join Arsenal for 105 million. And now we've had Daniel Henry join Halifax Wanderers as well. So like I'm not really a massive transfer nut, but now I am. Like sign me up like Fabrizio Romano, sign me up to his mailing list. I'm all about the transfers now. I'm glad <laughs> I can't remember who it was uh when he came to the league. Uh they they paid him to do a cameo for Britio Romano. Oh yeah, they to did announce it. it. No, it was it was announcing the new, the new club. I like yes. he phoned it in, didn't he? Oh, he was like, it was it was there it we was, go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad I'm glad I felt like he was like miming to a tape recording. It was uh yeah, so I'm glad they didn't do anything like that. Um before we get into it, obviously, you know, uh, the show is once again sponsored by our good friends at Molson Coors. So I I have to do the uh the, the corporate bullshit bit. Um so Well I reckon that sponsorship maybe maybe that's paying for some of the sign in as well. Maybe some of the money's filtered through for the big the big Henry sign in. Well, I, I I did say to Derek, I was like, listen, I can hook you up with some Belgian moons and a few strongbows if you're able to uh, bring in a big name sign in, and it works, you know. So that's all it was, just a couple of a little bit of bribe. So this week's beer that I I get to try is a strongbow ultra slider, like the last time, the ninety calorie one. But it's a mango flavor this time. So interesting. Yeah. And it's a it's a disgustingly muggy day. So this I think is gonna be a, a good refreshing drink. So let's give it a shot. All right, get it down your gullet, glug it down. Oh mate. You get you you get in you get in tropical notes. Do you know what? It's not bad. Sorry. Yeah, I'd 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 probably uh, yeah, I'd probably get. Yeah, I should have put a few. Him. I should have put four or a few more of those in the fridge. <laughs> you seem absolutely stunned that you're enjoying. I know because because like the be, shock on your face. Then, being honest with you, like like regular strongbow, I fucking hate it. Like, I, it's too bitter. It's too. It tastes like vinegar or something. These are actually quite nice. There's like a kind of like a sweetness to it. So, yeah. Like, uh, if, if, if if the people that sponsor us ever actually listen to this show. They would be out of here in about five seconds. Like, I, I think the I'm highest not... praise, the highest praise you've ever given one of their products is that's not bad actually. <laughs> but that's that's the absolute pinnacle of praise you've given them. That's not bad actually. But like you know, in the world of like beers and stuff like that, that's that's huge, right? I mean, that's like a momentous occasion again that yeah. they actually said this isn't bad. Like I when we had the Heineken, I thought that was pretty nice. 
Yeah, the zero percent one you like, but also like your your ninety nine percent Guinness, aren't you? So basically, you're swilling any beer in you around with Guinness, so it's like a cocktail of the two. Yeah, I like the last couple of times I've gone out uh, because I drank so much Guinness on my trip back home that I've been drinking Heineken because it's just too much. I, I can't, yeah, you know, I've been I'm off Guinness for like a little while. So anyway, uh, let's move on from uh, our marketing skills and get into uh the discussion uh about daniel henry so my, my first question is and i guess i'm sure it's the same for everybody you know um our our backline's being somewhat solid i guess you know like uh the, the selection so where do you see him fitting into the team i think i think he's like if he's fit he he brought you can drop him straight into that defensive group in my opinion i mean now, now Ryan James is out injured. The old, I think, the oldest defender we've got is twenty three or twenty four years old, and it's Jake Ruby. So, yeah. that is a backline that definitely needs experience, and a thirty year old Canadian international who I think even, like, even if you put him into like an MLS side or a European side or whatever, he would still kind of come across as a leader, and that's just magnified if you put him into a group as young as ours. So he definitely comes straight into the team. I think I think we've got a really, really good group of defenders. But I think because of their age, when when games hit kind of emotional peaks and emotional points, they still kind of struggle to manage those moments a little bit. Like we've conceded a lot of late goals in games this season. Like I, yep. I guess it's the most in the league. And to have someone like him come in and to be able to manage those moments and for them to look around themselves in those moments when the pressure's high, when they may be panicking a little bit and to see someone like that standing there who has played in the most high-pressure games the sport can offer, really, like World Cup qualifiers, that is going to be a hugely calming presence to have next to you. Um, so I think just from like a from a personality standpoint, he's going to be that sort of like father figure to them. Yeah, you mean you know you've got you've got him and Jan now. Like I mean, like Jan, mm. obviously, like was the kind of most experienced person along the back line. Uh, but it's also very difficult when you're a keeper to be in, be focused on everybody. If you know what I mean. Whereas I think that we're it is kind of good that we're going to have somebody who's going to be able to uh, pull the, the the players in defense of where they need to be. I think positionally that he's really going to help of like where. Mm. I think he's really good where he'll be able to see the danger and point people in the right direction. Cause a couple of times I feel like this season, we've kind of let people ghost in without keeping an eye on them. I think that's where we'll definitely see um, a big difference. So, you know, like just looking kind of taken away from the Halifax thing, like, and obviously we get into that, but just like looking at from afar, like what does this actually mean for the league that, you know, like this guy, <clears throat> You know, obviously he's without a club because of, he just left Minnesota. But you know, he's got a forty-four time capped uh, Canadian men's national team player uh, who who was going to go to the World Cup, just missed out unfortunately because of injury. You know, what does it mean for the league to be able to attract somebody of that caliber to to the league? It reflects very well in it, I think. Um, but I, but also it reflects very well on him on the league. Sorry, if in three months' time he's played. 10 to 15 games like the the only way this doesn't reflect well on the league is if he there's injuries or whatever and he only makes a few appearances which touch would like if the medical all went well that won't be the case 
So yeah, the, the and the league the league will use this and and they should use it as well. Like put him like front and center on marketing stuff. Lots of interviews, lots of media around him because you want you want the league to be seen. Like what what's interesting about this is the age he's come to the league at because I find if we're looking at it like through like an with like an MLS lens, the kind of players who CPL could get with that are related to the MLS will either be like 22, 23 year olds who have not yet made the MLS, but you know, they will like someone like Dan Nimick, I'd say, or kind of like your Nick Ledgerwoods, like kind of 32, 33 year olds who they know themselves. They're not quite at the MLS level anymore. So they'll come to the CPL. But with someone like Daniil Henry, what's interesting is he probably genuinely believes, and I'm sure a lot of people believe, that he is still very, very much an MLS caliber player for another two or three years. So to attract that sort of player, and like no, like none of us are idiots here. Like we all know if there was an MLS contract on the table, he would have signed it. Like no one's stupid. But the fact that he obviously feels like he's an MLS level player, I think MLS clubs are looking at him and going, okay, go to Halifax, stay fit for the summer then we we kind of believe that you are fit, come on back. And he will be back in MLS if he can stay fit, I think, until the end of the season. So it's 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 yeah, it's interesting that this kind of player now is coming here. Um and I think that bodes well for the future because you'd hope it will open up the door now for a lot more to come. And kind of like you, you remember when the when the debate was happening around like the CSB deal and the players put out that statement which basically shit on the league yeah like how do you think a lot of them feel now because they've kind of one of their quote unquote members of the brotherhood from their Canadian national team like they're basically the things they were saying and like kind of the illusions they were making were shitting on people like him and like I'd hope now something like this aside from the football side of it will make that sort of patronizing attitude from the players that have made it to the top of the game, they can just fuck that patronizing attitude off because now their peers are also playing in our league and it's a really good league. And yeah, hopefully that kind of gives it a bit more respect. I think, uh, as you mentioned there, like, you know, his end goal isn't to be, I don't think, I know there's a club option, but I don't think his end goal is to be playing CPL football next year. I think it's to be back either in Europe or back in the MLS, which I, I guess would be his end goal. So I definitely think he'll play. I think he's mm. here to play. You know, he took part in training today. And I I, it, I think the good thing for the fans here is that, like, obviously it's not just a, a sign in they're bringing in to sell seats because we sell it every game anyway. So mm. I, think, I think it's a genuine thing of, like, he sat down with Patrice or – uh, Patrice has been bugging him on the phone to come here and it's, it's kind of like just seeing the value of it because you know we're in that kind of window now when teams are trying to put stuff together you know you've seen all the big signs coming into the, the MLS and like he's it feels almost like he's like an outsider looking in at this stage because he I think we were talking earlier on he kind of mentioned somewhere that he had a couple of contracts a couple of phone calls and then it, it, it kind of fell through because he seems to have developed some sort of name for himself that I don't know. Like I've never heard anything bad about him myself. You know, you, you, sometimes you hear the the kind of whispers. So um, I, I think it. He mentioned in another interview that those whispers were relating to injury stuff. Like he said, like he thinks some people think, oh, Daniel's going to be injured. So I I don't think it was anything to do with attitude or personality. It was more that 
Yeah, but I mean, the fact that he was out training today, I, I think uh, whatever injury he did have is probably uh, cleared up. And I think uh, yeah. it's a really good shop window for him to play. How many games we have left in the season? Like 14 or whatever it is? Like uh, 13. 13. 13. Hopefully, hopefully a couple of playoff games as well. So, I mean, that's that's a good bunch of games in a kind of short period to kind of show people uh, A, that he's fit, which I guess is the main thing. And then B, just to show, like, you know, if he stands head and shoulders above uh, most of the players in, in the league, that people will see that like he he doesn't really belong here, <laughs> you know what I mean? And but, that, and that that's going to be his goal as well. Like, did, did you like the interview and stuff? And like, if you even read it as as pure quotations, like he's angry, he's pissed off, and you can tell he's like he's really annoyed and pissed off that like an MLS club didn't give him a chance. I think, and like, there's a massive fire <laughs> in him. You can see too. Like, I think some people and a lot of athletes are like this, where they're they're massively motivated by rejection. And I think that's actually kind of what makes an athlete a professional athlete. Because I think like us mortals, we're not motivated by rejection. Rejection absolutely crushes us. And we, oh, think, yeah. we, we think we're completely inadequate. <laughs> but professional athletes are like, nope, I'm going to use that as fuel. I'm going to fucking read one of those motivational quotes with on memes you see. And and like he he struck me as that sort of person in that interview. So... I, I I like he's absolutely not here to coast through the rest of the season. He's here because he's got a massive chip on his shoulder and he wants to prove to all of these people that didn't want to take a chance on him this summer in MLS or Europe that he's more than good enough. And yeah, that we we, we can only be the beneficiaries of that determination. So <clears throat> switching to Halifax then, you know, what like for the club, obviously it means that a like I just saw was uh, mentioned on TSN there, which you know TSN I know barely ever mentions, which barely ever mentions the the CPL and yeah, and then it's you know um, it, like what do, what do you think it means like in terms of us being able to attract players in the future? The fact that we've got someone like that coming in. I mean, I don't think I don't think we do attract him if it's not for if it wasn't for Patrice, honestly, um, like. Football is a small village and Canadian football is an even smaller village. And within that environment, like like as an industry, it is incredibly gossipy. It's incredibly snarky. All the players are always talking to each other about like he's he's good to work with, he's not good to work with, never work with him. Like there is that kind of that dialogue going in going on within our ecosystem constantly. So for us to have someone like Patrice as a coach who like unanimously when you hear like even like we're talking players who play for the national team the national men's team here talking about him so highly that players are paying playing their part in convincing um the Neil to come and work with Patrice like that's why that move happens and also I think um Daniil he alluded to, to it in another interview how Patrice had like been calling him for months, messaging him, checking in on him and the family. How's the kid? How is it being a father? And like, you know, you know, when you talk about strikers and you talk about the best strikers, every match they make like 15 really good runs, but the midfielder only finds them once. But the whole point is they have to keep on making that run. And I think with with someone like Patrice, like he's probably he's probably having that sort of dialogue and those sorts of conversations with a lot of players across the country daily. And he's putting in the hours and he's putting in the effort to build those relationships. So when an opportunity like this comes up, 
and you have a player who's probably like thinking, oh, I could go to Forge, I could go to Halifax. They're going to think back to that relationship they've got with the coach and how much he cares about their family and cares about them as a person. And he's going to choose to come to a club like that. Because, I mean, Patrice, like, for all of the tactics and stuff, Patrice is like an incredibly effective and charismatic communicator. And players respond to that massively. Um, so for him to put in the groundwork, because, like, again, like I said, he'll be having these kinds of conversations with with a lot of other players and 99 out of 100 of them will never kind of pay off. They'll never be anywhere near our club. But the one that does, and when this sort of opportunity comes up, then then it's worth it, I think. Obviously, Dane St. Clair, Alistair Johnson. Um, I can't remember who else they were, they were talking about who has, has worked with them. And, you know, that seemed to be a big part of it. Uh, Kamal Miller, I think it was, that maybe yeah. uh, they, they talked. Obviously, he reached out to them and said, like, what's this guy like? And I, I feel like <clears throat> they would tell him the truth. And I think that those relationships that Patrice and, and Jordan have kind of kept with the people who've gone through the Vaughan system, is it will definitely pay dividends, as we've seen already. And I, I just think that it's... Um, it's it's such a good thing for the for the for the city that we're able to attract something like this because you know when I was talking to Massimo like you know he was saying that like we're, we are isolated out here and it's definitely something that travel wise is difficult and you know if you're injury prone it's not always a the greatest thing to be traveling so much but the fact that we've been able to attract this like guy like that to the city shows that a the city is on the up and b that we're like the, the club now has the tools to be able to go out and say and be confident enough to go and say, Hey, we're like a proper professional football club here. And this is what we have to offer. So it's just, it's massive. I I, I honestly think like, and I'm, I can only imagine what it was like Derek Martin for like the last week or two, probably trying to put this together. <laughs> he must've been like chomping yeah. at the bit to tell everybody, you know what I mean? So um, I don't, I don't think, we should, I don't think we should underrate ourselves like kind of away from football. I don't think we should <clears throat> underrate ourselves as like, a city and a place to live though i think i think people should like players should feel lucky to live in this city it's a really like you're what you're from dublin yeah i'm from not far out of london like obviously love our own cities but equally i think halifax is a brilliant place to live um and i feel like we undersell it sometimes so instead of like thinking like oh we're lucky to have these people living here like I think also we should be like, no, they're also lucky to live in a really beautiful city on the coast. So I think that's a maritime thing where like we kind of downsell yeah. everything and it's just kind of the way we are. But, um, mm. you know, um, looking at him as a player, you know, like, uh, is he a ball carrying defender? Is, is he a guy that's just there to clear people out? Like what type of player uh, is Daniil? I think, I think he's decent with his feet, but to be honest, if you're, if you're six or seven out of 10 with your feet, in MLS or in World Cup qualifiers, that probably translates to being an eight or nine out of ten with your feet at a lower level. It's just the way it is. So, yeah, he'll have no, he'll have no problems there. I, I see him kind of. So there's a, there's a few interesting things we could do with the defense now, and like just really really quickly because I know we talk about this a lot, but like the way our back four operates is Fernandez as a right back ends up playing as a right winger. So really, we play with a back three the left back tucks in to form a back three. So I see um, Daniil, Henry and Dan Nimick to be our starting centre-backs. And I think you can actually roll Kale Offrey out to left back now because it's not that position isn't a left back who's up and down the wing whipping crosses in and overloading and overlapping. 
like that left back is essentially a center back who doesn't cross the halfway line. So if you can just sit those three in there as a back three, really big in 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 Loughry and Nimick, you've got kind of athleticism as well. And then in Henry, you've got the organizer who can sit in the middle of it all, a couple of a couple of steps behind the other two, and just kind of almost play as a modern version of a sweeper, but not as like extreme as that. So you can have Dan Nimick covering the space to the right where where Zach Fernandez should be kind of very aggressive front foot defender who engages your Kale Loffrey who's excellent in the air who's also quite aggressive and front footed and then you've got Daniil Henry who I think historically he's someone that likes to likes to be very aggressive and very physical and engage but I think you can kind of use him in more of kind of an elder statesman role where he he kind of manages the game off the ball by just knowing what's going on around him by speaking, by communicating so other players know their jobs. And then you can just trust him to do his job as well. Um, in terms of like kind of his physical attributes, he's a big guy. He's got a really good leap, really, really good standing leap for a big guy as well. So aerially, he can dominate on set pieces. I mean, when he's got the ball at his feet, he's got kind of three passing options he'll always he'll always have Nimic to his right he'll have he'll have Lorenzo dropping in centrally and he'll have the left-sided defender to his left he can go long diagonals so yeah I mean he'll he'll fit right in and it's it's just such a good opportunity for those those players around him to learn learn from a, a good player so do you think that's that's going to be one of the big benefits too is like uh it's going to raise the level of <clears throat> the people playing around them yeah yeah definitely and I, I think like We've spoken about this before that Dan Nimick will probably be an MLS player within a year or two, in my opinion. So that's going to fast track his development to be able to play alongside Daniil. So it's it's huge for them. Like just like not just not just the on the pitch stuff, but like if you've got the level, if you've got to the level he's got to, like just in terms of professionalism and how to look after your body, getting enough sleep how to conduct yourself in media environments, how to conduct yourself in your personal life. Like that's all to be learned as well. So he's going to be, he's going to be massive for those young players. Well, it's kind of funny seeing the, uh, that they posted a picture of their kind of the media scrum around, yeah. around them after training. It's kind of funny that like to, to see that kind of in Halifax, cause uh, you know, you like you might see the odd person coming over like, and just, talking to somebody like as if we were going to go for a coffee kind of thing but it was like <laughs> like iphones and stuff being shoved yeah. into his face kind of thing so I, I, I always wonder what it would have been like if like that game against montreal that was supposed to happen in the covid season but was cancelled when thierry Henry was manager of impact man. and i always wonder from a media perspective how that would have gone down like would there have been this massive kind of regional interest in in thierry Henry or not and yeah, one hundred percent. You would you would have seen like people who have never like covered a, a, a football game in their lives like suddenly turning up and you mm. know asking them the most mundane questions in the whole wide world. So yeah, it, it would have been that's definitely something that COVID definitely took away from us having Co- uh, Thierry Henry in the fucking city. Man, it would have been amazing. Yeah, I know. So you don't actually see him taking K Lockery's place. So you see, like, do you think that's gonna like give? give us kind of back an option with um, like Wesley Timoteo to kind of him to move back into his natural position. He's been doing quite well. We kind of talked about like at the last, like the last time we were on about, you know, he started off, he's a bit nervy, kind of got cut out a couple of times, but he's kind of grown into that role of being almost like a, a, 
a left back. <laughs> and you, mm, like, yeah. that, that, like if you had said to me at the start of the season that the assist leader for the league last year, was he assist leader last year? Or he was close I mean, to anyway. Certainly for Edmonton. But yeah. yeah. Um, he, he'd be end up playing left back. I would have like laughed in your face. So, <laughs> do you think that kind of gives us more options, like going forward now that we have, like, or do you see, like, as you mentioned, like Kale might be the one to kind of be moved out? And that's that's the interesting thing. Like, there's so many different ways they can do it, and there, there's a lot of minutes to go around as well. So it's not like there's only one way we're gonna do it. But I I see like. Kale moving to being a left back slash left centre back is definitely an option. But in the same breath, you could just see Henry come in and replace Kale and stick with Timoteo at left back. Or Jake Ruby, I think, is really effective in that role as well. Christian Campagna can play that role on the left side of defence. So I just think we need to think of it as even though they are a left back, really they're a centre back. With the way we're set up right now, that is like that could well change because at the start of the season, our left back was inverted to form the bottom of the box. But we don't really do that anymore because they've kind of, they've landed on a good thing with Aidan Daniels as a right winger who inverts instead. Um, but I'm sure like how experimental Patrice and that are, that they'll go back to that at some point, in which case this whole conversation becomes a different conversation. But if you're kind of like modelling it on the way we've been playing lately, I think I'd give, I'd give Kale Kale off for a go at like doing that kind of half left back, half centre back thing. See how he gets on. And I think like he's he's. I don't think he's been at the same level as Nimic, but I think he's been good enough to at least give him an opportunity. I I think he's. I actually think he's. Uh, as the season's gone on, he's got so much better, and I think that that's also playing alongside Dan. It's kind of like raised his game. I, I, like there's certain like never played professionally and I'm sure you're the same but you know yourself like when you're playing when you're younger there's like there's one that there's that one player that's like better than the rest of everybody and you can just you know like when mm. you kind of look across and you see them beside you you kind of go like yeah I need to try and get myself there you know what I mean it kind of just spurs you on to be a little bit better and I think that's what's happened with Kale that at the start of the season he probably himself would say he wasn't the greatest and now like him and I, I think it'd be crazy to kind of break up that Dan Kale thing. I'd like to be honest. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I'm sure uh, Patrice has many uh, scenarios of where he's going to play him, <laughs> to be honest. And f- football's about relationships as well, relationships on the pitch. And those two obviously have a really good relationship for like how they use each other on the pitch, how they motivate each other. And I'd be, I'd be, I'd be loath to break that up as well you want to you want to maintain those relationships everywhere like if you look all the all the way across the picture bus like we've got little kind of pods of relationships everywhere and you want to and you want to encourage those not to like like rotation's good but you don't want to lose those relationships so yeah so football friends that's basically football friends (laughs) so so like just before like i thought we just have a a quick natter about the uh the game last weekend and and, and stuff like that. But like, can you remember anything about it? I can't. Uh, I'm being really grumpy at the end. Oh yeah, like I remember, I remember the first half especially, to be honest. But um, yeah. So just before we get into it, like you know, um, did you think this like w- would you keep Rampy and Mo Omar as your captains, or with Daniel's uh pedigree, would you like bump him in as captain? What would you do? I oh, know I definitely keep them as captain. I think um 
you could you can like revere someone but i think like that level of reverence where they come in first day on the job you take away the captaincy from really good captains i don't think i don't think that's cool i don't think you can do that and i think he's probably the kind of character henry who will just he's a natural leader i don't think he needs an arm bound arm bound around his arm to to like i i think with i think with something like that like the upside of doing it doesn't really exist because like i said he's going to lead anyway but the downside of doing that where you could you could really alienate rampy and omar if you do that then yeah i i don't see them i hope not anyway yeah me too i, I think uh yeah just just with the as we, we talked about like you know there's the he's here to the end of the season with a club option so i mean like just to kind of uh, maybe get somebody's backup over it would just probably run he definitely seems the type of guy that would just go like i'm good mm. thanks um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think he's probably got the emotional intelligence to know not to do that as well like if you walked into a workplace and like it would be so awkward wouldn't it yeah have you been tempted to uh go to a train session this week now just to kind of <laughs> see him uh, in, in action um no i'm off i work throughout most of them but i've got two weeks vacation starting next week so i might i might nip down and stick a dictaphone in his face (laughs) (laughs) become part of the scrum (laughs) i don't know i like i'd like i've said to you before i don't i like i've got respect for you for doing the player interviews because i've always found footballers really difficult to talk to because like i feel i feel bad that i'm talking to them about their jobs if you know what i mean like i don't know i'm just not i've just yeah, I, and so I try and avoid those sort of meet and greet situations and stuff. Because yeah, I, I I totally get what you mean, and you know it's obviously part of their job to kind of mm. um talk to the media. You're you're, say... you're very good at it though. Like you you like without blowing smoke up your ass, like you you kind of like keep the cadence of it all pretty light, and so I think they respond well to that. But yeah, I, I like I like talking to like coaches and managers and stuff because like I like just picking their brains because they're the ones that can kind of really talk to you about stuff that you like the interview we did with Jordan, like stuff like that, where everything he's saying is like new information and you're learning loads of shit from him and stuff. Like I like that side of it, but yeah, you're, you're, you're much better at the players stuff. Um, Thanks man. I appreciate it. You're, you're, you're awesome too. The main reason I want to talk about the, the, the game like last Saturday um obviously the Tuesday before we had an incredible game against Pacific mm. the like I think uh Garrett Wheeler called it the the fog bowl on the the broadcast <laughs> on Saturday and it, it that, that was a fantastic game and it's just the surroundings were incredible and like um the fact that they kept the happy hour going for an extra hour long was kind of yeah. nice and, and stuff like that but you know I, I the main reason I want to talk to you is like do you think what do you think is the issue that we were having playing away from home so because like if you looked at the way that we played um on on saturday like we were we were just do you think it was more calvary pinning us in or just the way that we were set up it just seemed like you know we, we kind of took the 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 perform like the performance that we had against specific where we kind of were into it from the beginning putting them under all sorts of pressure we, it was kind of like the opposite of what we did we almost sat back waiting to hit people hit them on the counter and there were so many scary, like hairy moments of like where they should have scored. There was a couple of like free headers that they missed and stuff. It just didn't look like the Wanderers. I I disagree. Actually, I thought we were I thought we were quite good against Cavalry. Honestly, um, I feel I 
there was only one team in it for the last 20 minutes and then they just got a jammy set piece goal and I thought like cavalry were just kind of whipping crosses in and just lumping it in I I, I thought honestly thought it was quite a good performance from us and I feel like I feel like as a team we've 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 hit a point now where we've pr- we we produce a pretty consistent level of performance week in week out. Like there's the odd aberration, like the the York game. I thought Vancouver away we weren't great, but other than that, I feel like we kind of give a consistent level of performance. But like that, I mean that cavalry game. If it, football's so much about luck because it's such a low scoring sport, like just one little incident and action completely changes the conversation around the performance. And if you took that goal out and it was a nil-nil, we would be having a completely different conversation about that. We'd be saying, like, that's been a really, like, really tough travel schedule recently. We've kind of ended it by, like, travelling across the country again, heavy-legged, and grinding out a pretty good draw that we probably deserve. And that's the conversation. But because, like, I think Campania makes a mistake to give away that free kick and then they just lump it in, it takes a deflection... It changes the way people kind of view viewed that performance. But I, I thought we were quite good actually. Um but saying that I haven't watched the game back, that's just how I felt in the moment. The goal itself was like just one of those things that happens. And I think yeah, it's like had we had it been like nil nil, I would have been like really happy that we got a point away from home and you know especially after the short turnaround time. I, I just think that we just we just don't seem to have the same like zip about us when we're playing away from home. And I just, I was talking travel, to, travel. yeah, yeah. And I was talking to Massimo about it, like a little bit, whether it's like a mental thing too, like, you know, I remember the start of the season, we weren't winning games. We were kind of drawn them. It almost like a mental hump to get over. Mm. And it just feels like we're kind of at that level too, where we just need to get like a, a bit of luck just to, to get, to get a win. And we're just going to kind of take off a little bit. Cause uh, you know, obviously it's been a long time since we've had a win so away from home. So you know what though, we've only got five away games left all season, which is mad, isn't it? It's it, yeah, and, and then that, we're done. It, it's nuts. And I, I think that um, it would be good for us to get a, a win out of one of those, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like I, I, I I, I guess I'm just looking at it differently, but I just thought in the first half there was they, they were putting us under a lot of pressure, and we just seemed to be like yeah. sitting back, and we just never seemed to be able to get our foot in the ball. We had some amazing chances, obviously, like with with Cal, like Aiden's chance that that gone in. It's a different story again, but it was just like that kind of. <laughs> it was a really fun half to watch. I thought the second half was a little bit more, uh, a little bit, yeah, to be honest. But like mm-hmm. I, I was like you know, but that first half like. We hit the post and then oh, yeah. immediately they go down the other end. You know what I mean? It was kind of it was kind of a really cool game like that. But I just thought that they had like the kind of upper hand in the first half, and it just almost felt like we were like kind of in a, in a shell and not playing. And obviously, you need to play a little bit differently away from home. I get it, but it just seems like we just just, just like almost like a mental thing at this stage where we're just kind of like worried that we're gonna lose again, kind of thing. And that's I just was just I just thought it was, yeah, uh, maybe I think also cavalry like. They're really good too. One of these, one of those other teams do tactics too. Things, isn't it? Where Cavalry, uh, one of the best teams in the league, and playing away from home after a, a lot of travel and stuff, like it's hard to dominate those kinds of games when you're playing against a team that's that good at home with not who have not travelled halfway across the country because they were at home midweek, weren't they? So they're like nice week in their own bed. So. Yeah, it's, diff- it's difficult to manage those situations. So if we'd have got a draw out of that, it'd have been a really good result. But 
so we've um yeah really nice, we've got a really nice run coming now i think we've got like five of the next seven games are at home or something so this is you know, we've like hit the point in the season now where we either make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs off the back of like this seven or eight game run so it's kind of the biz- it's business time for us as a club i think yeah it's gonna be nice to have those uh those couple of games in a row at home and, and stuff mm-hmm. that where you know like uh it's like my favorite part of summer. It's just you know, just the kind of when the games kind of roll together like that. You know, it's uh, it's kind of nice. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, so uh, yeah, like I, I feel really bad because we said last week we put out a tweet saying that you know we're going to break down the game and all that kind of stuff. But it was obviously the rumors of something happening, and that's kind of why we were kind of holding off because <laughs> uh, we we had an idea something was happening. But I mean, it's just it's just such a, a big day i think for the for the club and uh, i don't mean to overstate it but you know like anybody looking outside into the league like i mean for a league that's six years old he could have gone to the usl you know he could have gone to the mls next pro just to kind of show whatever but you know he's decided to come to he could have gone to forge he could have gone anywhere in mm. ontario because that's where he's from but he's decided off the back of our manager and the club and the city to come here it's phenomenal it's phenomenal yeah i'm buzzing um me too man i I just can't wait for him like i some of the pictures today when he's like holding up the jersey and stuff like that which we don't always do i think which is kind of nice that was kind of like a like a proper like signing and you could see that you know um the the picture with uh mafig and mafig and definitely looks like the cat that got the cream kind of thing he was like really like we fucking did it. <laughs> so, so that was awesome. I hope uh, they give him. I hope they give him a nice apartment in Icon Bay, overlooking the basin. <laughs> he's, he's getting one of them, not the Clayton Park ones, isn't he? <laughs> hey, we've kind of run out of spots, so uh, here's one. Here's one yeah. of the big echo that you're going to drive into into thing every day. So, um, so I, I guess I have to ask you, who was your um, your Molson man of the match uh, for the game against Calvary? Oh God, honestly, mate, I can't remember enough about the game to give. Just fucking pick somebody. Just fucking pick Lorenzo, because he probably had he probably had an eight out of ten game. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm gonna go with Dan Nimick. I, I thought he was really solid throughout. Like obviously he was unlucky with the uh, the on goal, but I thought he was really good throughout. Um, and then for the game against Pacific, who was your most man of the match for that one? Um, I'm Molson man of the match for that game. How I can't fucking see anything, it was too foggy. Um, <laughs> Zach, Zach Fernandez, I thought he was tireless, even though he was obviously carrying a little injury. Uh, I agree, and I also think that a uh, special mention to the ground staff that actually got that game played because, yeah, there was a couple of uh pictures and videos of them. Sweeping away the water from the the, blo- the, the bloke in the dungarees. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think Carlos said it, uh, it looked like me. So it's a uh, it was. Uh, it's what I do in my my spare time is <laughs> go down to the wonders grounds and sweep rain off the uh, the pitch. So yeah, Gar, big day. Uh, I, uh, the host. I, I the fan base have really got in behind it too. There's like uh, I I think so. I saw a message from somebody else earlier on where um the wife told them that. Daniel Henry had signed for Halifax and he didn't believe her. So <laughs> I, just, I just love it. It's amazing. So well done to everybody involved, the club for making it happen. And uh, I'll probably see you Saturday. See you soon.
Cosmos, get out!